You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. A few days back, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen again repeating the call for our country to friend shore. What does that mean? Well, let's. how about we set up, we bring back from Asia, specifically China. How about we bring back many of those assembly lines and factories and pharma producers and equipment. How about we bring that to Mexico or Canada or, I don't know, think outside the box, Central America. That's lots of jobs that could be had down there. Bring them over here to friends to produce pharmaceuticals by friends. Antibiotics, friends producing that. Medical equipment, friends can produce it in Central America, South America, right here on, on this side of the world. Janet Yellen saying we need to friend shore more. Alan Davis is president and CEO of a company called I5 Services. And his goal, they provide information for manufacturers uh, that are looking for made-in-America components and, and parts and find made-in-America solutions. Alan, I appreciate your time today. To friend shore or to reshore these different shore terms that try to bring everything back. Is it easier said than done? Because, man, some of these companies have deep, deep roots in China. They're addicted to that cheap labor, and in some cases, slave labor, which is something that's hardly ever talked about, but it is is the truth. So is it easier said than done, Alan? Yeah, you know, it's a great question, and thanks for having me. To kind of answer that, I'll I'll give just a quick uh, statistic that I think may help, right? Um, in the years from about 2000 through 2012, 78,000 U.S. manufacturers closed their doors. We lost about 6 million jobs, and uh, much of that production being moved to China. There was wow. a massive push um, toward uh, Chinese production. Well, one of the big challenges was that we didn't just move our typical manufacturing. We started moving our intellectual property, our tooling and dye industry, which is the supporting uh, infrastructure for doing a lot of our manufacturing overseas as well. And so that massive shift really hurt us and put us in a position where we became over-dependent on China over the years um, for particularly very critical and important things um, that are even critical to our national defense, right, or our national security. Um, things like you mentioned, pharmaceuticals, right, medical, uh, even some of our food, defense. Um, it's fine if we're dependent on them for uh, consumer products uh, where, you know, we could go for a little while without some of our toys and gadgets. But to go without our antibiotics um, is another story altogether. And uh, as a result of COVID and the Putin-Russian Russian war and of late Xi Jinping being all lovey-dovey with Putin Man, we really need to uproot and pack that boat and come back to the U.S. as quickly as possible. We can't do that fast enough. And I know that economic development offices, even here in South Texas, i got economic development offices. They're having regular conversations with some of these companies wanting to reshore or friend shore to Mexico and expand the multinational presence in the industrial north of Mexico or near us or maybe even in, in, in the U.S. But we can't do this fast enough. Uh, in order to put us in on better standing, better footing when it comes to these frenemies, how many years do yeah. you think, knowing how how invested industry and pharmaceutical is in China, how many years will it take for yeah. us to say, okay, we're safe now, we we can depend on our version of manufacturing instead of China? 
Well, if you think about the fact that, you know, the statistic I just shared a bit ago was 12 years in the making, right? Mm. Um, it, it would, logic, logic would tell you it's at least 12 ma- years um, in the reverse. Uh, I will say this, you know, we started about, uh, I guess it's been 11 years ago now, building a solution to help everyone find and source local first. What we found was it was easier for us to find production in China than it was to find the guy two miles down the road that could do exactly the same thing uh, at a, and do a better job at it. Yeah. And so it, it has been to illuminate our supply capability within the U.S., our manufacturing capabilities, be able to find them and source them local first. So if you follow that logic and you follow what we're trying to do here, we would be able to find our local resources first. And if we couldn't find them in our local area, we could expand that search to our state, then to our country, then to um, North America, and then, you know, whatever is geographically more close to our facilities. And we can then assess um, what the relationship is like with those sources. And without that visibility, without that understanding, it makes it near impossible to do. But we are so thrilled to see... Um, a lot of this already beginning to occur, and we're seeing it across different sectors of manufacturing, and it's occurring uh, in a very fairly rapid manner. One, one of the things that I, I think is really encouraging, in, in addition to like day-to-day stories that we're seeing of companies who are successfully bringing production back to the U.S., I saw um, an article last week talking about um, we actually in the U.S. in 2022 spent one, uh, let's see, 108 billion dollars on new manufacturing facilities. It's the most money we've ever spent on new manufacturing facilities in our history, and that's a very encouraging number, uh, especially when you look at the next closest year was only 70 billion. So it was significantly larger than we'd ever done before which means there is already a groundswell movement to start to bring manufacturing back to the U.S., where I think many manufacturing uh, organizations are hedging their bets is if they're also selling in China, they're going to keep keep a production plant in China and sell to China, and they're going to create a production plant in the U.S. to sell to the U.S., which is a far smarter move. And then if there are supply issues, they can supply from either location depending on what those geopolitical political issues are that are driving those supply issues. Yep. And so I think that's a, a lot of what we're seeing right now and wise move on the part of our, our U.S. manufacturers, some of them opting just to bring it back here because they've realized that, and this is another thing that I think is really interesting, back in those um, you know early 2000s, almost every article you read um, talked about how much it was or how it was so much cheaper to produce in China than it was in the U.S. Well, now the studies coming out are saying it's actually not cheaper. When you factor in, you know, supply chain disruptions and uh, having to hold larger amounts of inventory because of those supply chain disruptions, uh, delays in production, uh, loads of other issues associated Mm -hmm. with sourcing from around the globe, then you weigh all those costs together. It's actually not cheaper to produce in China. No, and, so and then when you helping yeah, a take, lot of manufacturers figure that absolutely. out. Absolutely, well, I mean, you go beyond the lack of capacity at manufacturing, where the assembly lines stop because you can't get stuff coming in. Let's say computer chips. Let's say computer chips for, for yeah. vehicles and yeah. yep. all sorts of computer, electronic devices. Fine, go, go beyond. We're talking about national security issues, and what really scares me: overdependence right. on China. Man, we discovered 
fever reducers, antibiotics. Really? 90-plus yes. percent of that in China? Are you kidding me? How the hell did we get to this? Thank God for COVID that yeah. exposed that. But now we definitely need to reverse course. Let me reintroduce you real quick, Alan, in these uh, couple of minutes we have. His company is called uh, Lowercase I. It's I and then the number 5, I and then the number 5, I5 five Services. It's a comprehensive database of U.S. manufacturing. If you, whatever it is that you do for a living, plastic molding, injection, whatever, you're looking for something, anything made in the U.S. to, to complement your assembly line, your production, he has that information on the U.S.-based manufacturers, and chances are that you can find somebody in the States that prov- provide you, instead of having to you know write a check to Communist China to provide, put that on a boat, and Lord knows when you're going to get it. I, I, I bet your phone is ringing off the hook these days, Alan. Uh, I will say that we are incredibly busy and so grateful for it and hope that we get a whole lot more busy All right. because that means that we're actually making the shift. All right. Best of luck, Alan. Please stay in touch. I, I, this stuff fascinates me. I do hope we're slowly turning this economic Titanic ship around and trying to save our country. I appreciate your time today. From i5services, the way, the way to spell this if you're looking online is lowercase i, and then the number five, I-5 Services, is Alan Davis. This is The Sergio Show. Focusing on your health, the high-sugar foods you must stop buying, like right now. Nutrition chef and author of the book, What's on Your Fork? I welcome back Shelly Loving. First thing that popped Hi into... Hi there, thanks for having me. Thanks, Shelly, for making time for us. First thing popped into my head was soda pop, was sugary drinks. That's the first thing that popped into my head you need to stop buying that stuff or or uh, sugary juices that's one thing another thing right what else you got on the list absolutely you know all those processed foods that have sugar in them that aren't that aren't even sweet you know because they do it because it's sugar is a flavor enhancer sugar is addicting and it's also a preservative so all of those processed foods condiments especially hmm. um they they add sugar to so many foods and then that ones that we know are sweet like cereals and cookies and all of those processed foods they are slowly killing us because they are just inundated with bad ingredients, and sugar is one of them. All right, so water is a good replacement for the sugary drinks I, I mentioned. It's always satiating and it tastes wonderful when when you're eating a meal. But I mean, the condiments. I mean, yeah, I love ketchup, and you know, I love some <laughs> some of the salsa that comes in jars as well. I know they put sugar and stuff like that. So, give me a good replacement for for those things. You can. You can make your own and like condiments are so easy because you don't have to cook them or bake them. You literally put some stuff in a little bowl and you whisk it together and bam, all right. you have condiments. You can do it with mayonnaise, uh, ketchup. You can do all your salad dressings. And then you know what is actually in the condiment. When all you right. Make it well, you're the chef. You're the chef. Give me an example. Some condiments that you quickly whip up. What do you do? What, what do you get? <laughs> well, there's a lot. So you can make your own ketchup with just a few ingredients and you can add a little sugar in it because you're starting with no sugar, right? Uh-huh. So you can add a healthy sweetener like maple syrup or coconut sugar into your condiments rather than white refined sugar that is causing all of these. Now, are you talking today. about uh, getting the whole tomato thing and then put some vinegar in it, maybe a little sweetener, artificial sweetener, or, or, or what uh, to create it. the ketchup? Yeah. Absolutely, okay. yes. And then you just take a little immersion blender. If you're doing like a can of crushed tomatoes or if you're doing fresh tomatoes, take your little immersion blender and bam, and it tastes. So much better. How do so I, much better. How do I make? I may- have, actually have a ketchup recipe in my cookbook. Okay. How do I make mayonnaise yeah. at the house? 
Uh, well, that's easy. I mean, mayonnaise huh? has like very few ingredients. It's oil and an egg yolk and some seasoning, salt, and a little bit of lemon juice, and you've got mayonnaise. It doesn't. It, and again, use a immersion blender so you can get that egg yolk good and whipped, so it becomes creamy. Not hard at all. There are some healthy condiments out there, Sergio. There's okay. some really good brands out there, like Chosen Foods is really good. Primal Kitchen is really good, and you can find them virtually at any grocery okay, store. Okay, that's, that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah. A good substitute I found long long ago was lime or lemon, and that's always I love it. Or vinegar, as well, just poured on just a little bit, uh, mixed with that. That also and do apple cider vinegar because it's a prebiotic. It's good for your your tummy. Oh, I forgot about the prebiotic oh, blessing on that one. Okay. I love talking food, Sergio. Yeah, I love, well, talking food I love food as well, <laughs> as you can tell in my midsection. Okay, uh, Shelly Loving is a nutrition chef and author of What's on Your Fork. Okay, what else is that's sugary that we need to stop buying at the store? Well, what else you got? You know, we first, we the soda pop, we got the condiments. Okay, what else? Um, all of those things in the middle, those processed cookies, those processed crackers, and those cereals, those breakfast foods, especially the oatmeals like you think are healthy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, They're you're loaded right. with sugar. Yeah, just get yeah. the regular stuff, just regular oatmeal. You, you shove it yeah. in the microwave. You put a little bit of water or maybe you know, watered-down milk or whatever, and you put some honey on it. That's the best way to do it. Not, not the packets. The packets, Absolutely. Right? Packets is the one you need yep, to do. Yep, that's what I do. Put All it right. on the stove with a little bit of um, honey and cinnamon and a, and a, some yeah, uh, non-dairy milk, and you have a beautiful oatmeal. Maybe yeah. a, a thin slice, of, uh, a little bit of butter or, or salt on it. That Ooh. way to give it a different flavor. Okay. Um, cereal brands that are actually nutritious that you like, which ones would you recommend? That would be nothing. Not really. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Even the Kashi stuff and the grape nuts and things like that? Especially not the grape nuts. You know, that brand is not okay for me. But Kashi, if you had, if you put a gun to my head and said, Shelly, I need a box cereal, I would probably go for um, maybe Kashi, but it does have a lot of sugar. So I challenge you to kind of go to the grocery store, read that Kashi cereal box. Okay, so just stick to, stick to the oatmeal then with some. Some well, fruit. you know, you also need protein in the morning. So eat you eat you a protein cookie. I'm actually cooking today on Pinterest TV and making a breakfast cookie. So hmm. there are other alternatives for breakfast other than just boxed. Bre- okay, eggs, real quick. We need eggs in our diet. Okay, okay. The the breakfast yeah. cookie, the bre- with protein. Quickly t- uh, describe mm-hmm. it to me. Tell me the ingredients and how to whip it up. Okay, really? Okay. Well, you're going to have a mashed banana. You're going to have oats, which have protein. Oat flour has protein. And then all of these three things like hemp seeds, chia seeds, and flax seeds, I call them my trifecta of of healthy because they all have protein and antioxidants. You're going to add some seasonings like cinnamon, and you're going to add dried fruit like goji berries and cranberries, and then you're going to add vanilla and coconut oil and a little bit of cashew milk. Ooh, that. Yep. Whip it all, it all up. together and put it in the oven. There we go. That sounds yep. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you started with the right bananas and then the uh, the oatmeal and then the flour. And I could just see how everything comes together. I've seen those videos online. Those are those are wonderful. Where do folks find you, Shelly, online for more recipes yeah. and all the work that you're doing? Shelly Loving joining me right now. Where do they find you online? Online is all Shelly Can Help. S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. And my website is ShellyCanHelp.com. And my book is on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, and it's called What's on Your Book. Thank you, Shelly. You be safe. We'll call you again. Shelly Loving, author and nutrition chef. This is The Sergio Show.
you're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. I want to congratulate some of our family, millennial family, tuning in to talk radio, as I refer to folks who constantly listen to information and news news and then commentary you may not agree with it but it's all right let's have conversations let's listen to as many points as possible point of view as possible so i, I congratulate the millennial audience tuning into 710k you are going to provide for you a little bit of wealth management and discipline information from walzer wealth management rebecca walzer 30s are such a magical decade for so many people rebecca is for some maybe you get some new parents and then they enter the sandwich generation, taking care of little babies and, and also their parents. Yes. So some, tell me, some, as a wealth manager and the clientele that you work with and some of the smarter ones, the millennials that are actually saving for the future, <laughs> what are some of the more common mistakes that you like to inform everybody so maybe they can avoid some of that? Well, believe it or not, the first thing is is that people just think, I don't really need to worry about it in my 30s. I'm just kind of starting out, you know, professionally, really starting to make money, like you said, establishing a family. So maybe I don't need to worry about this for a while. And they're just wrong because if you don't really start with a, an overall plan in your 30s, you put so much more pressure on yourself in your 40s and 50s to catch up. And so if everyone could just realize the 30s is the decade to make sure you really start with a, a solid plan and I would like everyone to have milestones. Okay, by 35, by 40, I want these kinds of levels of, you know, savings, retirement accounts, whatever, because it just allows you to use the 35 years of work life uh, to your advantage. Use the time value of money, which is compounding, and yeah. make it easier on yourself. That's the first thing. Yeah, in an ideal situation, not only for yourself, somebody in their 20s or 30s, uh, listening to information on radio right now, but... Also, you could do that for your kids. You know, in an ideal right. situation, start a savings fund, retirement for your kids. Can you imagine how much wealth they would have by the time they hit midlife? You know, 40, 45, 50. It'd be amazing how much wealth your children could have. That's in an ideal situation, but we don't talk about that as a nation. We don't encourage that as a nation. <laughs> Yeah, because I think a lot of people, especially when you get to the parent gene and you've, you've had kids, a lot of people think, okay, I've got to start preparing for my kids now and their college, which is great. Yeah. But I have to say, if you have to choose between kids' college and retirement, you have to pick retirement because kids have three or four other ways to fund college. They can get a scholarship. They can take out a loan. They can work through it. Uh, we don't have any other source of retirement funding except for ourselves. So I, if you have to pick, start with the retirement fund first and the kids' college fund second. We want both, but I'm just saying those are the priorities. And then just don't make sure you're just not too much FOMO, which is fear of missing out, having all these travel you know, experiences, ha- buying a house that's over budget, buying a car that's over yeah, budget. This is where point. people really get over their head in their 30s, and that sets the decade cut to come that you know you just don't have enough to put away because you're 
struggling to pay the car payment and the house payment. So yeah. Just make sure you're not over living. Yeah, the, the, it will. Yeah, it will set the next debt. Will set the next decade or two or three and take it to retirement age with, with <laughs> a mortgage still. Yes. That, you know, that's, that's thirty years. Many of these mortgages. Yes. From Walzer Wealth Management, Rebecca Walzer, my guest. Advice to the younger set. Congratulations, millennials, for listening to KURV Radio. I'm hoping to provide some information will help you, maybe save some money, uh, avoid debt. We're going to go, I'm going to go um, Dave Ramsey style. Get rid of your credit <laughs> cards. Get rid of your debt. Start yes. paying with, with cash yes. as long as we still have cash. That's that's the poison pill. Uh, the overwhelming majority, I would imagine, all millennials, all 30-plus-year-olds, it's dead because it, in our nation we don't talk about savings. Uh, ain't nothing wrong. That's ain't right. Nothing, ain't nothing wrong with a consumer economy. I mean, I'm pro capitalism all the way, but be smart about <laughs> it. <laughs> be smart right. about it, and we don't right. we don't, don't encourage get savings. Trapped. Yeah, we don't encourage savings. Don't get trapped in the lifestyle, and don't use your credit cards as a lifestyle. You know, credit cards are just meant to just be convenience, not uh, cash flow tools. Yeah. A bit of advice from my perspective. Now, my wife and I, we fell in love. We couldn't live without each other. We married super young, but we disciplined ourselves to try to save as much money as possible. We waited. Mm -hmm. We waited 13 years, 12, 13 years to bring in uh, a little dude, do that into this world. We disciplined. We saved. You know, I made sure she I made sure she had her master's degree. And and got awesome. got ready for everything. Wonderful. You know, we traveled. We had fun. We saved a lot of money. We traveled a little bit, but yeah, we were not going to bring in another human being into into this world until we had some financial backup, some financial support, and definitely an opportunity for. And God forbid, if Jesus called me home for my wife to, mm-hmm. you know, if she if she fell in love and married again, it's for love, uh, not because because yes. she's a woman without any education and needs to marry somebody to feed her and and, and the kids. That's the advice I want to share with younger folks. I love it. Very, very financial pearls of wisdom. Very good advice. Very good advice. Most people don't have that kind of discipline, but I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, and you might be in a situation you have little kids, but just be be smart in the way. For their sake, get get out of debt. Just a final thought, Rebecca, before I let you go. Just make sure you're reviewing your credit card statements. A lot of people are signing up for subscription-based services. They forget they even have, and they never look at their credit card statement and see that, oh, my gosh, I'm paying twelve ninety nine a month for this and this and this. Get point. rid of those things. There's money sucks. Take them off. Yeah. And TV is free, people. If you purchased a really affordable flat-screen television, they're super affordable everywhere. Just connect it to the Wi-Fi connection at your house. You got all sorts of shows and movies free yeah. and all these channels. Just, just sit there through the commercial. Or go to the restroom, go to the commercial, come back and do the movie. (laughs) Like regular TV. (laughs) There we go. Thank you, Beck. It's a pleasure speaking with you. From Walzer Wealth Management, Rebecca Walzer. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. You get sick, you feel something funny, 
There's a whole bunch of us running to online. Google, for example, Dr. Google, see what's wrong with us. If you do enough digging online on your symptoms, you will find out that you are suffering from cancer and you're going to die. So be careful when you go online to get information. CEO of Executive Medicine of Texas, Judy Gammon. Welcome back, Judy, to the program. How many people are duped, get bad information online when they do the Dr. Google thing, Judy? Well, I like to say that all internet searches lead to cancer. (laughs) (laughs) You can stub your toe and you can find out that you are dying. (laughs) I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So is there anything, is the internet, is Dr. Google useful for it? anything when when you feel something bad there there definitely are some things that that dr google is is good for if you want to know you know how much uh, vitamin d i should take or or you know what's a common range for a particular blood result those kind of things can pop up because those are data points but what dr google's not good at and this is where we get into trouble is he's not good at knowing exactly what's wrong with us, knowing our family history, knowing that we were in a car accident two months ago, knowing what we look like, what we smell like, and what we feel like. And that's what doctors are good for. But Dr. Google can only tell you what you type in. So it's the search terms. And unfortunately, like we were mentioning cancer, people will always put other words with it. So maybe they have abdominal pain, they'll search abdominal pain cancer. Of course, <laughs> everything that comes back says they have cancer. <laughs> yeah, I was speaking from personal experience years ago. So this is ridiculous. Everything winds up being cancer. Why, why do people do that? I, I stopped doing that a long time ago. And I, well, I, I try to limit as much as I can. Maybe, maybe get a primer, maybe an initial idea as to what I, I should be asking the doctor. I, I think that's what it's good for. Maybe producing the proper questions when you go to urgent care, as an example. Yeah, for for sure. And in that you bring up a very good point is that asking questions and giving accurate information. I I, I have to laugh sometimes because at Executive Medicine of Texas we do a thirty page questionnaire. People fill out before they come in for their executive physical. Yeah. And you really find out how honest they are aren't when their blood work comes back. And then you go, Well, you know, gosh, you 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 have elevated liver enzymes or wow on your CT scan we found that you have a a fatty liver, but it, you know, you put that you drink about two glasses of, of wine a week, and they're like, yeah, that's not accurate. <laughs> it's like it's like they they get like ratted out by the, by their lab work. It's it's kind of funny, but it's kind of not because we've gotten in in a situation where we have to be honest with ourselves about yeah. our health so that we can yeah. get to the the root of the problem. Yeah, I want you to tell me what. You guys do over at Executive Medicine of Texas in just a minute. But let me just grab a little portion of the write-up on this Dr. Google thing just to give folks perspective. It was a recent survey, and it found that almost 4 in 10 Americans have used Dr. Google online information search engines in in lieu of going to the doctor, taking the time to go to the doctor and, and visit about whatever you know, hurts. The average person self-diagnosing four times in the past year, survey found the survey it, it was over two thousand people, adults ages forty and over, revealed that people's most common misconception of what is and isn't healthy, uh, things like fish oil forty seven percent, garlic forty five percent, honey forty four percent, things like that are sufficient to cure 
treat certain ailments. Over six in four, about 64 percent, associate carbohydrates with being mainly bad for your health compared to good for your health. Man, that's your that's the fuel that's helping you run. Anyway, Judy Gammon is CEO of, of Executive Medicine of Texas. I wanted to tell folks your approach to medicine, of course, that the diagnostic that you provide, uh, maybe somebody around here might get an idea to open up something similar, or maybe you could open up an office here in South Texas. So tell me about what you guys do at Executive Medicine. Well, we see people from all over the globe. We have a huge following internationally as well as in our own backyard. So we, we take an approach of if we can give you as much information about your own personal health and we can write out a plan of better wellness, that's the best way. So people come in, they fly in to see us, and they're there for, for a half day, and they're getting all kinds of tests, head to toe, their blood work, you name it, um, even down to cognitive assessments and such. Because if, if we can give them the data and we can, can look at the numbers, the true things, this is the blueprint of what's going on with your health right now, then we can give them that plan and give them healthier. And a lot of times what we find are simple fixes. They don't have to be a major ordeal. Now, sometimes we do find major ordeals, mm -hmm. but for the most part, we can find things that we can correct. Like, for example, colon cancer, 99% of colon cancer start from a polyp. So if we do a, a colonoscopy while you're in to see us and we see a polyp and we take it out, guess what? That polyp is not going to turn into cancer. You just did yourself a huge favor. And if you think colonoscopies are gross, you should try colon cancer. <laughs> yeah. The the comprehensive approach that you take in doing this this diagnostic, again, this is this is proactive. This is not reactive, people. This is people at what age, basically what age do they show up and say, okay, give me, uh, open up the hood and let's do everything from, you know, medical procedures and lab work. Tell me what's going on in my body. Normally, what age do they come and visit you uh, at um, at Executive Medicine of Texas? The, the sweet spot is is forty to to sixty. Right. Um, we see them, um, you know, are, yeah, younger and older. We are seeing more and more people in their thirties, and partially because we're seeing a lot of things creep up earlier and earlier. We're seeing diabetes earlier. We're seeing colon cancer. I mentioned colon cancer. We're seeing those things way earlier than we used to. But I, I also think that people, if we're talking about Dr. Google and we talk about what's bad about it, there is something that is good. And that is that people may actually take the time to, to research some things. And then they say, gosh, maybe I should go get a physical. You know? um, so from that perspective, um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a godsend. I hate to say this, but the pandemic was very good for our business because people realized just mm. how important their health is and just how important it is to be healthy before you get sick. Yeah. And that's a used to be a crazy concept, but now we really appreciate that. Judy Gammon with Executive Medicine of Texas. Again, this is a proactive approach to determining how healthy an individual is, but it's it's a one-stop shop, right? Because you're you're using filters to, to find uh, through colonoscopies or maybe blood work uh, any potential cancers, right? Uh, diabetes detection, uh, proteins. You're looking also for proteins that might be representative of stroke or heart problems near future, right? You you look for all these things yeah, in it, one big test. We look at all of that. Yeah, it's important to know your stroke risk because if we know your stroke risk and we we do a carotid Doppler and we see interval thickening in the carotid arteries, those are the ones in your neck, then there's something we can do about it. We can prevent you from having that stroke. 
It is wow. all about prevention right. and early detection. How long does all that examination take? Do you do it over a couple of days? People have to stick around and go one day and then the next day and follow up? Well, what they can't. This is, a, this is a great question. So they come in uh, usually about 7 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and then they're with us all day. We feed them lunch before they go. If they're local, they may come back in two weeks when we have all of their lab work back and their plan put together. Or um, for our people that are international or just out of state, we send them their leather-bound results with their plan, and then we do a televisit to go over all of those results. Right. And it, it's, it's been life-changing for so many people. I, I love how. what I do. Yeah. yeah, I love what I do. 10-4. What do they find you online, Judy? <laughs> well, online, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the carbs are bad for you and this, that, and the other. And nutritional information is, is all screwed up online. People are into fad diets and and we see patients sometimes that come in and they say, oh, I'm on this diet. I don't need any carbs. Man, I'm so tired all the time. <laughs> well, let's connect the dots here. Or they take fat completely out of their diet, and then they're having cognitive issues. Yeah, you got so yeah, to approach this uh, with the hand-in-hand hand with the expertise of, of a medical professional. Um, I found your, your website, by the way. I want to mention that real quick. It's emtexas.com. E-M- Texas.com. Judy, thank you. You take care, friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshots. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Looking for a job or looking to change jobs? You're going to need a brag sheet. You're going to need to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. All those things that pop up during an interview and, of course, brush up on your resume. Hiring expert David Cathy is my guest. He's a partner with Unity Search Group. David, happy Monday, and thanks for joining us. All right, pal. So for folks that are bolting to greener pastures and they need to clean up their resume, give me a, a handful of some of the the tips that will help them maybe um, enter an interview with more confidence and peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that you, from a mental aspect, need to understand is that an interview should be a conversation. It shouldn't be just a question-answer scenario. So your job is to turn the interview into a conversation. And understanding and knowing that the interviewer, you know, their, their job is to be run an engineering department or to be the CFO of a company. Their job isn't to sit back and interview people all day long, every day of the week. So, you know, they want to pick you. 
They want you to be the person, and that should give you a level of confidence. They don't want to interview 10 people. They want to interview two, three people, and they want you to be the person to come out the winner on the other end. The small so talk, selling, uh, small talk, small conversation, will that help you as you kick off everything with the interviewer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's just showing personality and relatability for the interviewer. If you have some type of small talk, if you just go in straight to the interview and it's like, hi, my name's David, and you sound like a robot, then <laughs> unless they're hiring people who want to be a robot, you know, you, uh, you probably don't stand a very good chance of moving forward in the interview. There has to be some genuine uh, genuineness to who you are. What type of small chat, small talk should you bring to the office as you're walking in and talking with somebody? And do you make an observation of the person who's about to interview you or as do as I'm thinking, you know, make an observation about, you know, perhaps you're a fan of the company or maybe you're a fan of the TV station that you were you know, interviewing with or something like that. I mean, make observations about yeah, the industry I as well. Absolutely. It's, it's what is the research that you did the night before? Did you go to the company's webpage? Did you look at their mission statement? Did you look at their values? Do you understand what they do? And if you do, let them know that. You know, let them know that you're genuinely excited about the opportunity to speak with them today and that you really feel like some of the core values of the mission statement or what that company provides mm -hmm. to their consumers or businesses really resonates with you. Yeah, give it some thought. You can go in there and say, and just think about what the brand that you're interviewing with, maybe what that means to you or your family or family history. Like You can go in and say, hey, you know, my dad was a big fan of Caterpillar. He had X amount of equipment, this XYZ. He worked with this, that, and the other. You could say something like that. David Cathy, hiring expert. Make a brag sheet about yourself. Th that might be quite a challenge for people that are introverts and might have a hard time telling people about themselves. Well, you know, when you really look at it, the resume should be somewhat a brag sheet about yourself, but the resume is in chronological order. And when you're making a brag sheet about yourself, really, I would say, you know, let's, let's look at the three to four major accomplishments that you have achieved that you think this company or the interviewer would be interested All right. All right. Yeah, that's absolutely relevant. That helps you answer the question, tell me a time when, and you can reach back into your memory and pull out one of those examples and adapt it to answer the question. Yeah. Which means homework, Dave. You actually write, you got to write this stuff down and memorize it. Like you said, the two, three main points, your strengths or what's relevant to the company. You need to be able to take that out of your mental file and put it on the desk and put it into the conversation. So it's quite a bit of homework you have to do. Uh, you just can't go cold into something like this, expect to be successful, because there's plenty of competition out there. Well, you know, I mean, if you want the job, if you want the opportunity and you're serious about it, then you're going to take it seriously. And I think what you said is there's some homework to do. And, and you said, write it down. And, you know, when, when people get nervous, and they're going into an interview, and they are nervous when they're going into an interview. You know, sometimes your mind goes blank, or it gets really jumbled up, and you get confused because you have so much nerves coursing through your veins. So if you've written it down the night before and actually taken the steps to go through a little bit of a rehearsal, and I'm not talking about you got to stare in the bathroom mirror, and I'm <laughs> just talking about sit down with a piece of paper, uh -huh. write it out, 
it's going to be in the forefront of your mind and you're going to be able to reach back into that file and pull it out to give a great example. There we go. Where do they find you for more tips, Dave, online? Yeah, you can find the company at unitysearch.com and you can find me on LinkedIn at David Cappy. Thanks, Dave. Have a good week, brother. This is The Sergio Show.